Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. So when I was in the fourth grade, my dad brought me upstairs, sat me on my parents' bed and told me, I want to talk to you about something. He then proceeded to pull out a book by James Dobson called Preparing for Adolescence. Then he opened it and began to read. I can assure you it was as awkward as you'd think. (laughs) And after he finished reading, he looked at me and said something like, so that's how babies are born. Any questions? <laughs> nope. To both of our relief. Well, we, we, we go back downstairs and my mom looks at my dad as if to say, how'd it go? My dad looks back and is like, cat's out of the bag. <laughs> we, uh, we hop in the, the family minivan and we head out as a family for a day of furniture shopping. But I can assure you, I was not thinking about recliners that day. <laughs> Uh, You know, we're in this series, Living Well, because we want to live well. We want to live a life that we're proud of, something that we're excited to share with our friends, family, kids, grandkids. And uh, we're trying to figure out what that looks like because life's crazy. And we've got all kinds of questions about things. So we're looking to the book of Proverbs, God's word, to learn from his wisdom. You see, he's the author of life. And as the author of life, he knows how life is best lived. So we're looking to Proverbs as our map to kind of guide us through life. We're looking to God's wisdom as our compass, helping us know which way to go. And through it all, our pursuit is God's way. That's what we're seeking together in this series. Now, when it comes to romance, what's the wise thing to do? I'm not going to make us read preparing for our adolescence together, so you're welcome. But I do want to open God's word together. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 5. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn with me there. Uh, if you need a Bible, you can, of course, follow along in our free church app, where there's also a place you can jot down some notes. Uh, as awkward as that conversation, not really much of a conversation, but that experience with my dad was, I, I really am incredibly grateful that he loved me enough to have the talk. And at the same time, I am thrilled that we have two daughters and a third daughter on the way. It's like, you got this, Amanda. Go get them, sweetie. Like, you just let me know how it goes. You know, even more than our earthly parents love us, our Heavenly Father loves us, and He wants to have the talk with us because He loves us, because He cares about us, and He wants us to succeed in life. So as we prepare to read His Word, on what could be a more sensitive topic, would you bow your heads? Let's pray together and ask that God would speak to us. Lord, we come before you and we ask that uh, you would speak, that you would uh, lovingly share your truth with us as our Heavenly Father. Would you give us the courage to follow you? Um, Would your Spirit encourage us, regardless of our story, regardless of our past or our present, we celebrate you, Jesus. And we're thankful for your word in the way that it reveals the way we should go. So as we look to that now, would you speak? In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right. Inspired by our Heavenly Father, Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 5, starting in verses 1 and 2. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight. That you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. Reading this, I can't help but hear the tone of our loving Heavenly Father saying, listen up, pay attention. I don't want you to slip up. And our Father is wise. So we're going to be wise if we heed His counsel. What is that counsel? Well, He gives a warning in what He says next. Now in verse 3 and following. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. This is a, a stark warning that the way of adultery leads to destruction. And adultery is a big deal to God because marriage is a big deal to God. God gave us the human relationship of marriage. It's a covenant relationship. He gave us this relationship between a husband and a wife to represent something bigger, to represent the relationship that he wants with us. We see this imagery uh, and metaphor of marriage throughout Scripture to describe the relationship God wants with us. Jesus, the bridegroom, the church, the bride. Well, back, way back, way, way, way back in the Old Testament, a couple thousand years ago, a covenant was more than a commitment. When a covenant was made, it was actually cut. They would literally, the two parties would cut an animal in two. They'd put the sides of the animal on whatever the sides. And then together they would walk through this cut up animal. And in so doing, what they were saying to one another is, hey, if I break this covenant, may I be like this animal? That's incredibly gruesome, I know. But that's the significance with which a covenant was entered into. It's a little different than how some may approach a relationship like marriage today. But as followers of Jesus, we aren't called to conform to the patterns of this world. We're called to be transformed, have our minds transformed by, by the Holy Spirit working in us so that we can test and approve God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And it's God's will. He, it's His will that we're in relationship, intimate relationship with someone. Uh, he created us for companionship, wired us for acceptance, intended us for intimacy. Like God said Himself, it is not good for the man to be alone. So God gave a relationship, a human relationship, that is between a husband and a wife where they can experience deep intimacy and at the same time, that relationship isn't the pinnacle of our existence. Our relationship with God is. And, and this human relationship should actually point to something greater, this relationship that we can have with our Creator. Now, this, because God wants this, this relationship with us, and because He uses marriage to portray it in this world, adultery is a big deal to God because adultery misrepresents what God wants in a relationship with us. And God knows adultery hurts us, as revealed next, now in verse 7 and following. 
Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. God's plea is this. Listen up. Go my way. Don't go down that path. Don't open that door. Don't continue that conversation. Don't flirt with that person. Lest you may lose your honor to others and your dignity to the one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. Friends, when we lose to lust, we're left with regret. And we don't want a life of regrets. And we all know this. We all know that, that when, we, when we slide down this slope, it doesn't end well. But it's so tempting in the moment to click the link, continue the conversation, spend the night. We tell ourselves, I deserve this. It's not hurting anyone. We're two consenting adults. No harm, no foul. Like, we're all good here. No one's going to ever know. But these are lies. These are lies from the pit of hell that smell like smoke. And they have to be snuffed out by the Holy Spirit. Because if they aren't, we are as susceptible as any to slide down the slope and be left with regret. Now, I say this, and I share this not like from some high ivory tower. I share this having observed it, like on the battlefield. Just two months into pastoral ministry, and 10 days into marriage, my senior pastor pulls me into his office while I'm in the middle of a missions trip, local missions trip, pulls me into his office and says, hey, our ex- your, the executive pastor has had an affair, and he's been fired. And he shared it, <laughs> he shared it more lovingly than that, but... I just, my heart broke because I thought of his kids, one of whom was in my student ministry. Then, even just recently, I got news that two friends from a past season of life, who I never would have suspected, slipped down this slope. And the destruction is devastating. It's devastating to them, their relationships, their church. And when I talked to the guy in about it, he was very, very repentant. And at the same time said it was the smallest little decisions that led to an all-out slide. I think it's good to be aware of for ourselves. Because while adultery is hard to, to see in the headlines, it's even harder when we know the people involved. It hurts more because we see the lives, we see the families, the relationships that are impacted. So so don't let that flirtatious moment lead to some lifetime of regret. It's not worth it for you. It's not fair to the ones who are faithful around you, and it is certainly not honoring to the God who loves you. Jesus didn't say following him was gonna be easy. What Jesus actually said was this, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. 
Friends, while the, 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 the road is narrow, it is good. And whoever follows Jesus finds life. Back in Proverbs 5, it, we saw that it was hinted at that, that following Jesus is a disciplined life. The one who fell into adultery realizes the fact that it was actually a lack of discipline that brought that about. said it this way in verse 12, You will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors, and I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. The one who's lost to lust and succumbed to sex, that, when that's, that's the story, they mourn the fact that it was lack of discipline that got them there. No one sets out to fail. But we can all get there if we aren't careful. You see, it's the little decisions that often that result in some of the biggest regrets that we have in life. Uh, the, the accounts of those that we know and those that we don't know, but we choose to follow on social media. Or it could be the conversation that we have with someone that we find ourselves a little interested in, but we don't tell our spouse about that conversation. It, it could be uh, who we sit next to at a meeting or a dinner because our heart beats just a little faster when we're next to them. There are all these different things, and it's like, okay, how do we live a disciplined life? How do we follow Jesus on this straight and narrow way that is not popular today? Biblical marriage is not a popular concept today. It's not as permissive as many would like, but we're called to something different. I would say something better. But how do we live this life? How do we live a disciplined life when it comes to romance. Here's a couple of things that I'm trying to do. It's looked different in different seasons of life, but right now uh, I will screen what I watch, whether it's a TV show or a movie. There have been times that I have literally shut the thing off mid-show, mid-movie, because it, the, the content was just too suggestive for me. I'll be honest with you, it stinks in the moment because I'm like enthralled with the plot, but I turn it off anyways. Uh, Amanda has access to all my devices, passwords, the whole deal. I try to be very upfront communicating with her about who I meet with, where I meet with them, uh, especially communicating about conversations I might have with women. And some, you know, some of you might be looking at me and you might be thinking, you are over the top. Okay. But you know who's never said that? Amanda. Not once has she said that. And more than wanting to impress you, I want to be faithful to her. And I want to honor God with the way that I live my life. And I don't want to end where I'm as, as prone to end as any of us. So through counsel from others, through God's word, through the Holy Spirit working, I've tried to set up some guardrails in my life, some disciplines I choose to follow. Now, the goal isn't to do what I just said. I was just sharing some of the things that I have felt convicted to do. What you should do, though, is you should talk with God about what are your propensities and what would it look like to set up some guardrails to keep you from sliding down that slope. If you're married, it's probably a good conversation to have with your spouse, too. So, God's way is the wise way, and I believe God's way is the better way. I mean, just listen to our Father's way. Now in verses 15 through 20. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water 
in the public squares. Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breasts satisfy you always. May you be ever intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? It's getting a little steamy now, isn't it? God isn't anti-sex. He created sex for a context between a husband and a wife in the covenant of marriage. Elsewhere in Proverbs, it says this, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. And as we just saw in Proverbs 5, intimacy is to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife. And it's actually that relation, that relational context, the, the covenant nature of that relationship that creates an environment where one can enjoy the other freely, where they can be fully known and fully accepted. They don't have to wonder, like God's will for the bedroom isn't that you have to like wonder, like, is my spouse going to walk out on me? That shouldn't even be a thought on our minds because of the safety and the security of our marriages. Now, I recognize that's not all of our story. I pray that it is, though. I pray that it can be. That we can have a relational connection with our spouse, for those of us who are married, where we know that we are with one another through thick and thin. I mean, we stood across from one another. We gazed longingly into one another's eyes, holding one another's hands, and vowed before God, before our family and friends, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, so long as we both shall live. Don't you want that to be your story? I want it to be my story, and God wants it to be our story too. God's way is to embrace your spouse and no one else. It's in this relationship that, we are, that we're fully known, that we're fully accepted, like our relationship with God, the ultimate relationship that we're created for. Now, the, the key to this level of intimacy is actually singularity. Again, not a popular concept today, but it's the way... God designed it. So if you're married, remain faithful to your spouse. If you aren't married and you're, you're single, you're dating, I would challenge you, remain faithful to your future spouse. All of us, regardless of relationship status, we are we're called as followers of Jesus to remain faithful to God, who is always faithful to us. He cares about us, and he cares about us enough to have these hard conversations because he loves us. You see, the father's way for romance is the wise way for romance. Proverbs 5 concludes with a reminder for us. We've, we've seen our father's wisdom. We've, uh, you know, heard his warning. We've even seen the father's way. Now we're reminded that our father is watching. Bit awkward. It says this, For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. The lie that we're told today is this. You know, it's my body, my choice. It's two consenting adults, no harm, no foul. It's all good. No one even needs to know. But apparently, our romantic relationships aren't between just us and them. Our Heavenly Father sees us and sees them, loves us and loves them, 
and he wants something better for us. I wonder the difference that it would make in our lives if we viewed other people as sons and daughters of God. Or even just if we, even if you don't believe God exists, like if you, if we, you know, viewed others as sons and daughters of their parents, changes things. Uh, most days, I, uh, I bring Hannah and Chloe with me to the gym. Gives Amanda a little bit of time to make some dinner, and we'll, we'll get at the gym, and Hannah's four, Chloe is 23 months, okay? If you wonder why I say 23 months, every month counts, all right, parents, you're with me. Every month counts. Yes, 23 months is almost two. We can't celebrate that victory yet, but we're coming up on it. All right, so we got four-year-old, and we got a 23-month-old. Now, Hannah is learning to go through a parking lot. All right, Chloe, completely clueless, not even aware that there are cars going by. Now at 31, I feel pretty confident about my ability to navigate a parking lot, all right? And the rule is that when we're walking through the parking lot from our car to the gym, uh, Chloe has to hold my hand and Hannah has to at least be holding the strap to my gym bag. Then once we get to the sidewalk, they can run free, they can walk next to me, whatever they'd like on the sidewalk. Now, I would like to proudly come before you and say that I can, I can confidently say, my girls haven't gotten hurt in the parking lot at Lifetime Fitness. All right, thank you, thank you. You're not applauding. Of course you're not applauding. You would expect nothing less of me as a dad who loves my daughters. Our Heavenly Father wants to protect us. He wants us to be able to run free in the relationship of marriage. He knows the wise way for romance. His way is good. His way is sure. His way is intoxicating. And he offers his hand to us to guide us through the parking lot of romance so that in marriage we can run free on the sidewalk. We've seen... That, that God has something different. But I do want to note something. The enemy is going to take our sexual sin and use it to shame us. But Jesus never does that. Jesus forgives, he heals, he restores. There is no shame at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross, there is only mercy. So if if you felt convicted at some point from what we've read or anything I've shared, if you felt convicted about something in your past or your present, I would invite you to bring that before Jesus, to repent, to turn from that way of living and choose to follow him in his way. Though it's hard, it is good. And I imagine our, our father who is wise, who warns us, who has a clear way, and who's watching. I imagine our Heavenly Father longs for the day when it's the longtime committed couple that's celebrated rather than the fling that gets physical, which Hollywood has just totally pumped and promoted. So here's the challenge. When you're out and about and you see an older couple, they're holding hands, they're looking longingly into one another's eyes as if it's their first date, but you can just tell it's their thousandth. 
Next time you see that couple, would you do something? Would you just pause and pray? And would you thank God for his design for romantic relationships? And then would you ask him, as I'm going to ask him, that we would be able to go the distance with the one that we love? To honor God, to honor them, and to honor ourselves. Let me pray for us. Lord, we come before you and we thank you that your word is clear, that you love us enough to talk about the hard things. And we would ask that your spirit would give us the ability, the, the, the courage to follow. This is such a countercultural way. So would you transform our minds? Would you change our hearts, our lives? And would our relationships represent the relationship that you want with each one of us. We ask this in your name, Jesus.